0: Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. We have a special episode where we're going to reflect a little bit about our experience with this podcast, look at some of the comments you guys have left to us, and some of the questions you guys have posed. So let's do this. Hey, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's just right around the corner. We are just one week away from Christmas, and we hope that you and your families and your churches continue to celebrate the birth of Christ. I think it's one of the coolest things, the incarnation. It's so missional, right? (laughs) It is so missional. You see what I did there? there? It was so good. It was so good. The Father sending the Son and Him being the presence in the world. And bringing the kingdom. It's so missional. It's like, it's exactly what we're talking about yes. in our podcast.
1: Eugene Peterson said he moved into the hood. The hood?
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Urban Peterson, I guess.
1: Ur- Ur- yeah. No, he said neighborhood, Peterson. but
2: <laughs> the, remixed,
0: I, uh, the remixed version. I paraphrase his paraphrase. paraphrase his <laughs> paraphrase. <so. laughs> oh, man. This is can, some, that's a huge rabbit trail. Geek, 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 church talk. Yeah. All right. We got some. First of <laughs> all, Huge thank you to you our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. 21 episodes, 21 main episodes and wow. this is our kind of reflection episode to cap off 2018. It's been a crazy ride. It's been really cool. So we're just going to spend a little time reflecting on this journey that we've been on. You know, we first started this because we were part of a conversational group and then wanted to We were, still are. We still are part of that conversation yeah. group. Just Just to clarify that, but we wanted to record some of our conversations and frame it in a way that hopefully is helpful and would engage others in this conversation. There's so much to kind of unpack in there, and we're pretty much a, a year in, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. What's the experience been like for you guys having done this podcast for almost a year?
1: I think it's been a lot of fun. I think it's great that we were able to do a lot of these episodes where we prep the stuff and we sat down we just kind of hash it out in some ways um Mm. we we have some notes (laughs) that we don't necessarily follow
0: but it's somewhat of a verbal processing as well
1: (laughs) but what i think has been amazing was to be able to interview and sit and chat with all these incredible thinkers and practitioners of of gospel work. you know we have sat with you know professors we have sat with pastors that have been detained, we have, you know, sat with like missional gurus, you know, like Chris and Funky Monkey, and it's just been an incredible journey. Like I, we look back, like, wow, like the people that we've interviewed and we sat with and we chatted
0: with, mind blown. Yes. It paints this huge picture of the kingdom, and I love that there's so many different ways of engaging.
2: Shoot. Yeah, and and even just the average person, like the the person who that's involved in, in the church involved in God's mission and just doing where they're at. Like we, we interviewed some people like that too. It's was, it was great to, to hear that here on the ground level, the trenches, what, what's happening. And you know, that's what the whole podcast was about. It was like, we were trying to fill a void. I don't know if we were actually, if we filled it, but <laughs> it's like that people aren't really engaged. Like there are these, these Canadian Asian missional churches or, or people thinking through this missional movement and trying to think through what does it look like to follow God in that mission? in all these different spheres that, yes. that, you know, is so broad and, and it's cool to see that. And we got to hear from different, you know, parts of being Asian, you know, like the Kore- Korean guys, the Japanese church, Filipino, and we're going to go more, right? Go further. But it's just like, it's cool to hear all the, all these different perspectives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we've been trying to engage this conversation, we've, we've discovered how big it is. You know, you just use the term void. You know, we're trying to fill the void, but I don't think until we started this, we realized Wow, there's so many different perspectives and we're being challenged and convicted in so many different ways. So that's been amazing. I think
1: we if we were honest, like we, we recognize that we we also kinda of hold a certain lens. I mean, we have three Chinese guys that are kind of the hosts. Uh and, and most of our contacts is Eastern Canada. Yeah. That's right. Toronto yeah. Toronto specifically. Yeah. though we but, talk
0: to Jason way yes.
1: way out west. True. But I but I think like we that that is part of our hope too, to stretch further. Because uh, we know that the Canadian landscape is very different.
2: Mission is contextual. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we're
2: it's good to have that going.
0: All right. Yes. Yeah. So just a couple quick things. We've had over 2,000 listens of our episodes spanning across Canada. And, you know, some of you guys have even given us five-star reviews on iTunes. That's pretty crazy. One person gave us a four-star review. But you know what? There's always room for improvement, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll find you. We'll whoever. <laughs> oh, whoever, wow. you whoever you are. Wow, it's, these threats are coming out right at Christmas. You can come on the podcast. <laughs> you can, yo, oh, there you go. There you go. So, the, you know, it's been really, really cool to read some of the comments that you guys have left us. Alan Wilde, you, you, you titled your comment, Wishing I Was Asian. I love this podcast. <laughs> I discovered them through David Fitch, and they have really stretched me about what church should be. You know, so many people have engaged with us through Facebook or just talked to us in person. Big shout out to Zinya, who was our first commenter ever. But even recently, like Chris and Julius, Harry. I know my dad sends me lots of notes. (laughs) It's been really cool. Our biggest fan. Uh, You know, we've received feedback from our wives. uh, You know, Lisa, Richard, Christine, Mark, Benedict, Scott, Andrew Al. Andrew Al, he said this. He said, so inspiring. I'm going to start using your line, let's do this. I don't know where I came up with that, but you know hey that's great let's do this let's engage together yeah uh Gore poon said just listen to an episode of camp good stuff takeout box is cute forget francis chan great guy but he doesn't even know what toronto is serious Ooh. lol man Ooh. there's a uh, there's some shade i being think thrown that's there. an
1: invite for francis chan to come to toronto francis chan
0: Come and prove or, Gord, Gord room. or
2: Gord Poon to come on this. You <laughs> oh, yes,
0: there you Gord, go. Gord, we're going to get you. S- stories by telling.
2: But then.
0: Francis, <laughs> we're going to invite you. Prove Gord wrong. You know, you, we believe that you know what you're talking about. All right. We're going to get to a couple more, but we're going to actually answer quickly just a few questions that you guys have kind of left us. So, Glendon, Glendon Tang. Yes. Glendon, you said, keep it up, boys. The question was, in regards to episode 13, which was a theology of place, was this. Who is our neighbor? If we consider all the people who cross our paths, do we even have the capacity to build deep relationships with all of them? Why do we need to focus on proximity? That was a really good follow-up question to our episode. So, so what do you guys think?
1: I don't think when we were doing this discussion that we meant like everyone that we encounter. You know, like we're going to engage in the same kind of way. But I think we we were poking at the question more of uh, what is that collective. Um, missional call for a church, and if a church is a local church, like is there an importance for a local proximity? Mm-hmm. And and I th- I think it's it's a yes and no kind of answer, because I think yes, there is a importance for a local proximity, especially for. I think that this question probably sparks more for a second generation Asian Christian who is kind of wrestling with like like this identity. Of place, of, of, of purpose of church, of purpose of community uh, of, of like why why do we go to a church of a mono-ethnic cultural background when the world around me is not? Oh yeah big question. I, I bring that up because I think there's still a place where mono-ethnic culture church is important where there are still immigrants. There are still first generations that are coming in from around the world and this place that's kind of safe place it's it's still i I can recognize the importance of it but that's where i push like well what about the local church that is really local we call it a local church but if it's not a representation engaged with it's a local community then then is it really a local church
0: Mm, you know i gotta follow up to that can a commuter church then be a local church dun 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like,
1: it depends on how you define local. Right? Sure. Like, it depends on how even a commuter church, in its expression of church, can form local communities. Mm. You know, like, I have known of friends who are part of big churches. They commute. Like, not everybody lives there. But they form neighborhood groups. Right. And they partner with neighborhood stuff. Right, right, and that's not to say that that's not an expression of local church, but it's just a reimagination of what local church looks like.
0: Mm, right,
1: and like we love you, Glendon, and we totally see where you're coming from. But it's also like if we say that we we can't reach everyone, but we don't have a specific community in mind, like how do we how do we practice the presence that's needed to reach people, or is it always kind of like draw them in to a specific place or event, and that's kind of how we will we will share the gospel with folks. And so I think like that's that's the kind of missional shift that I want to
2: like I challenge and trying to push people to think. Like to tag on to that, if you're just trying to draw people into that event or whatnot, and and the goal of those essentially big tent revival meetings is to get people saved. Right? But we're saying yeah we're getting you saved to be part of the kingdom of heaven sure. and just to go to heaven. But it's like to see Christ as King, as Lord, and thus to join him in this mission of actually to disciple people. And what does discipleship look like removed from people you're interacting with? And it's just like, if commuter culture is that, I, like, like I, I've written some stuff on this where I think computer, commuter culture is actually detrimental towards spending time with people, right? Like, sure, that's the nature of of where we're at. And I think that's actually part of Glendon's question too, that, you know, like, I I know that he's thinking about this, like in a suburban culture, how do you, how do you disciple people? How do you invest and spend time? So the easier thing to do is to, okay, let's, let's hold events. Like, so one shot deals, put, put it all in that basket or, you know, one shot fellowship time, you know, hopefully this will work out.
1: Like our city is a commuter city. There's no doubt about it. Like, our city is like that. It's wired that way. But does that mean that our church needs to be the same way? Hmm. And that's, I think, part of the question. And also, like, no church will tell you that we're just a Sunday morning church. Right? Like, we, we don't, we, at least in our lingo, we don't believe that. We don't act like that. <laughs> but, but, but functionally? Yeah, but but, sure. the, but then the question is, well, then how do we break out of that? How do you actually be an everyday church? How do you like kind of think through and strategize and kind of wrestle with like, well, if we are a all week church, you know, if Sunday is a gathering? Like how, how do you how do we posture that? And I think like proximity is
2: gonna play a big role. See, I would say this. I was wrestling, I, I was preaching about kind of like who is my neighbor? It's interesting because you know, when Jesus when Jesus is talking about, you know, I think it's Luke Luke 10, right? Luke ten twenty-seven or something like that. Where uh, the teacher of the law goes, you know, oh, uh, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus gives, tells them the great commandment. Love God, all your heart, heart, soul, mind, strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And then the guy's like, well, well who is Who's my neighbor? neighbor? Right? right. And then tells this parable of the Good Samaritan. And the end of it, usually people are like, well, your neighbor is anyone. Right? Anyone in need, anyone that, yeah, and Jesus, says, go and do likewise to this neighbor. So then we kind of detach neighbor from actual neighbor. Because of that, mm. right? And I'm like, I, I, I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about directly. Just let's detach that. Like, sure, I believe it's love anyone the Spirit is leading you to. Mm-hmm. But if we detach ourselves even from our neighbor, our neighborhood, the people that society or, or neighborhood or suburban uh, architecture has developed for us to almost disengage with. Like, I think that like, do we become more just like, oh, well, these guys set up housing that way, so we're just gonna, we're, we're gonna engage people that way, or no, 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 I'm gonna love my neighbor, right? Actually, gonna learn to know who they are. I'm gonna, I want to s- get to know, and doesn't mean I'm, I know every person in my neighborhood. I'm not saying like, like you were saying, like, should I get to know everybody? Yeah. You know, is like, or do, but and, my
0: neighbor and Glendon's asking, you know, do we even have capacity for that? Yeah, okay.
2: but the thing is that I think a good question to ask is, like you're saying, does is the church supposed to engage their neighbors, engage their neighborhoods? I think. And actually he asked me one that good question too. How do you jump from neighbor to neighborhood? when you talk about this kind of stuff. Like, where's the jump from that? And I was like, well, I, I do think if you're called to love your neighbor, you'd also love this neighbor, neighborhood people that God has placed you with hmm. and you want them to flourish as well. You want, this, this people to know Christ at the same time, also their felt needs to be met to love them, to care for them well.
1: Yeah, I think part of that practice is, you know, this practice of radical hospitality. Mm-hmm. How do you, I think it's a lost art um, in our society today to become catalysts for, for community building. Honestly, I think everyone desires for the sense of neighborliness, of community and community forming, but nobody becomes a catalyst for it. Sure. And there I say like I think the church is meant to do that. The church is meant to be a catalyst for neighborhood formation and this sense of community. And we're supposed to be the catalytic force for that. And I think once we begin to to empower people to learn to do that, I think we will we'll will see what, you know, life as a neighbor looks like.
0: I think it also shifts the focus away from saying, we are going to target or focus on a specific group. Like it's only for this specific Asian group or this generational group or, you know, some churches will say, we're going to try or throw our eggs into reaching millennials, right? Hmm. And so I think this kind of conversation shifts that conversation away from whether it's a yes or no for that, but rather like, are we engaging our neighbors in our neighborhood and God has placed us here, what does that mean? Even if we are commuters and still have new expressions of that in our context. But it, it's it's fascinating. I think maybe this would be a question to ask before uh, thinking about focus or targeting a specific group. I think
1: that like really, that really keeps us in a posture of humility because it's not about maybe the vision and mission of our church Needs to constantly be aligning what God is revealing, right? Maybe it causes us to to pause regularly to consider the revelations of what God is showing mm-hmm. in 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 unfolding His mission or our local church context, because context is so real and so tangible. And I, I think maybe that's the posture that we need to learn.
2: Yeah. If we try to be everything to everybody then you kind of be nothing to nobody. To nobody you know sometimes it's just we only have so much time, finite time in this world and finite resources, resources resources too, too. Yeah. so where do you invest it in it, there has to be some reason where
0: god placed us here for sure awesome awesome all right we're going to continue moving on this comment and question comes from daniel mock all the way from calgary alberta he says hey camp really love what you guys are doing and opening up a real and honest conversation about Canadian, Asian, or Asian-Canadian churches. I've grown up in a Chinese Christian community here in Calgary, and I found what you have been saying to be so pertinent to our present understanding of the Asian-Canadian context. Now, one of the things that has happened, like Daniel kind of reached out and wanted to engage in the topic of retention. He's asking, you know, should it be one of the church's goals to keep people committed and loyal to the church? or at least regularly attending. And this topic has been kind of brought up in regards to youth and young adults and families. As well, you know, we're losing them. We need to do something. You know, Bernard and Shu, is retention a good or bad thing? Where did it come from? Does it have a place within the context of a church community? And what does it say about how God has revealed his mission in this world?
2: Well, I remember that passage that Jesus talks about, right? Like, retain your children
0: (laughs) or or something,
2: right? Like uh, retain your children forever. (laughs) Yeah. Look, I I get the impulse. Like I have children and I more, yeah, I want them to know Jesus, but I also realize something for me as, as I've been kind of growing that I'm like, I I can't, I can never force them to have a relationship with God. And I believe if if God truly is who he says he is, he's the one going to be reaching and drawing them doesn't mean I abdicate my responsibility of raising them up to know God, but it's not like, let me let me try to force them in, in any way so that they stay Christian in, in our household or whatever. I'm like, no, I, I know they'll have to have that relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. They'll have to figure some of that stuff out. And I think there's been a weird pull in a lot of Asian churches, and I could say Chinese church in particular, that it's like, let's retain our children. That's one of our things because we got to make sure. And I'm like, there's a bit of playing God. Right. Oh, wow. Within yeah. there. and But what does Jesus call us to do? It's like, we're supposed to model our faith. Yeah. Love, love God, love our neighbor as, our, as yourself. I would say if we do that and we get good major on the majors and, and we're trying to walk with our kids through that, of course, they'll have questions in the future. It's not about retaining them. It's about modeling them what a follower of Christ looks like yeah. and do they want to join in? You and, invite them in.
0: And even going back to how did Jesus model it himself? When he called his disciples and when he engaged with people. Right? It wasn't about retention, it was inviting them into something.
1: And what's the purpose behind retention? That would be my question. Is it because we fear that our churches won't survive because the second generation are leaving? And then the question of retention is it, are they leaving church? Are they leaving the Chinese church? Are they leaving my Chinese church? And Good I think questions because I think like when we talk about retention' the posture of fear uh in in this kind of like like this this unknown lack of faith uh, <laughs> I didn't say that okay <laughs> but but I think like when we when we talk of retention, it's like it's like we are playing the defense when the missional call is to go on the well like this sounds really bad. <laughs> You know, I should to that. No, <laughs> yeah. I take it. I take it up.
0: No, man, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Maybe you're trying to say to be sent out to be active participants. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go okay. there. You know, no, no, no.
1: Okay, so like retention is like we're reactionary. We're responding to things that are happening, but whereas I think we're <laughs> supposed to be actively engaged, right, in the mission of God. Uh, and honestly, like. I, I, like one of the, I wonder part of the reason, uh, you know, like we, we have this whole retention issue is the focus is on retention and the focus is not on like what she was saying, living out authentically this faith that we're trying to live out, you know, like, because if you're, if you're really living faithfully and, you know, the spirit of God is moving in you and the church is being transformed and think amazing and incredible things are happening. Why is retention an issue? Like you said,
2: fear. Like I, there's no way, no way around it. And, but it's, it shows where your values are when it comes to that. Right. I think, you know, one more thing is
1: remember, like if if we're not talking about retention as in like retaining people that are in, in faith, but it's just like retaining people in our church. Like at the end of the day, like if people are going to different churches, Still going to church. We're still part of
2: the kingdom of God. Mm. We're still on the same team. And perhaps we just need a larger view of church. Mm. And it even kind of begs the question. I don't want to keep going down this rabbit trail, but well, why would we we'll be leaving to begin with? <laughs> okay.
0: No, no, no. That is a good question, and I think we've talked about it in a previous episode. Where if if discipleship isn't happening, the communities are not forming, and people are leaving, then those are pretty good reasons to be reflecting on and to be course corrected on. I think that's, that's huge. But you know, I'll bring it back to one of the things that we said in one of the earliest episodes, which is considering what it means to be the sent people. And if we focus too much on retention, sometimes we can hinder that sentness because we're just trying to keep people gathered and not necessarily sent out. Keep people happy. But that's also a fear thing, yeah. right? That's also an insecurity thing, right? Maybe we'll talk about that more one of these days, but that's kind of a, a really big topic. All right, last question that we're going to do, this comes from Reverend Scott Bissell, and he actually sent me this as a possible episode topic to discuss. But we're going to do it here today and just talk briefly a little bit about it. So his question is this, Why do traditional Asian parents prefer slash desire slash wish that their children would marry someone of the same ethnicity? Would that be considered racist? I'm going to rephrase that a little bit. Are Canadian Asians or even Asians or Canadians, are they ethnocentric? Where does this idea come from? And how does the gospel speak into this idea? I guess I'm not
1: eligible to answer this question because my wife is of a different ethnicity because she's Korean and I'm Chinese, and I have bi-Asian kids.
0: <laughs>
1: Bi-Asian?
0: <laughs> I don't think I've heard that Bam! one. <laughs> Bam! But, but did you ever wrestle through that? Did you even think about that?
1: Actually, you know, not really, because my mom thought I was going to marry Jamaican. So I was, yeah. I was totally, because I was, I was immersed in a West Indian Jamaican community. Uh, for two summers, and I like I embraced the culture. I was listening to soca music and reggae, and so my mom was actually anticipating and ready that I would marry Jamaican. So
0: she had prepared her heart. Yeah, she was she like, "I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my palate to you know jerk chicken and and oxtail <laughs> oh <my. laughs> and rice and peas,
2: some good spices there." Shoo. Well, short answer: yes, that is racist. But <laughs> you know, every immigrant culture, or whatever is is, you know, you're ethnocentric to a certain degree. Right. Like even Eurocentricism, you know, like it's just like they're, you know, the points that, oh, white people can't marry other people other than ethnicity, too. So, yes, it's like people are scared. <laughs> people, when they're first coming, they want to keep to their own tribe and all this stuff. But we're, I, I think it, like you're asking, what what's the gospel, gospel way to speak into that? It's that, yeah, it's not about someone's simply looking at their col the color of their skin or the way, you know, what country they came from. But it's just like that each person inherently is a human being and has the image of God, image bearer of God within them. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, because I, I think the fear comes
1: from, it's like, it's a cultural thing. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's actually, you know, like for two people from different ethnicity, if they were married and they're, and the parents of first generation, like it's, it's just hard. Sure. You know, like, sure. you know, like the language barrier, the cultural barrier, the kind right. of food that they're going to eat, the kind of things that they're going to practice. Sure. Right. You know, back to what she was saying, like the, the gospel answer is to is to reveal, but it's also to disciple, not just you know like the people that are getting married, but like discipling the parents.
2: No, sure, yeah, and, and and not to just call, hey, you're racist for saying <laughs> like your understanding of why, but yeah, would well, you have a conversation with those parents?
0: Yeah, and there's a lot to unpack there because there, you know, there are histories at play as well, yeah. right? Will we you talk within the circle of only Asians? And there's a lot of history there, right? I mean, Chinese and Koreans have had histories with Japanese, right? Yeah. That's that. That's not even that long ago. That was like maybe 70 years ago, 60, 70 years ago. And that stuff still lingers. But do we consider how the gospel breaks through? Do we consider how the gospel reconciles? How we can forgive, how we can also see each other in a new lens?
2: Yeah, okay. That that's the point. I think there's sensitivity on both sides to that. That is, I'm not saying, like, yeah, let's just leave them to their their view and that's it. It's a discipling moment, as Bernard's saying. But on the flip side, you don't just go at the same time, yeah. It's like, well, you're wrong. Like you, everyone should be able to marry whoever they want and blah blah. But not seeing where that history is coming from and and walking people through that. That's, I think, the sensitive way and the way to, you know, to move with that versus kind of, I don't know, a bit. This sounded a bit like. Condemnation right off the bat, that but not an understanding of what is deep, deeper going on. Sure, you know. So, and I'm sure
1: there's a lot of things unearthed of the the wounds and the hurtings, and you know, like that's a, it's a part. Maybe it's part of a restorative process. Yeah, or absolutely. a reimaginative process of power God.
2: of God. Right, power of God. Who would have thought? It's not just salvation of sins.
0: Whoa. Know, but- Maybe a little preview for what's going to be happening next year as we dive into some of these topics. Yes. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, you guys know it. Please rate and review our podcast. It really helps us get this conversation out there.
1: And if there's anybody that you think that needs to come to the table and be a part of this conversation, send
0: them our way. We are totally game. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yes. Yes. Oh, let's do this. Let's let's do it. <laughs> let's, do it. let's do this. <laughs> yes, yes. And please comment and connect with us on Facebook, or Twitter, or email. Lots of ways to connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. We read your comments and we read your questions. And as you guys engage with us, if. You know, as as those things come out, we we want to talk about those some some of those things. So definitely reach out and let us know how we're doing in this conversation, what you are thinking, what you would add or take away, maybe what you disagree with. You know, we'd love to hear from you guys. Once again, we are the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. Merry Christmas, twenty nineteen. Whole bunch of new episodes coming out. It's going to be some good stuff. And we hope you will join us on this journey. See ya. See ya.